I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, March 25, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. I have a small, maybe medium-sized bucket full of stuff to discuss today. It's going to be somewhat of a potpourri of information. I'm going to come at you from a variety of different angles, but we have a lot to discuss. The market did a lot today. We can see what's evident or what's prevalent right on the screen. We talked about 257, 259 last night, and the high of day was just short of that area. And there is some inside the number stuff to be discussed with that move. Then we had a crap out at the end of the day. So we're going to discuss a little bit more about that as well. By the way, Something that jumps off the chart at me, and we discuss this all the time, and I brought this up the other day, when the 20-period moving average, which we like to call home base, was quite a bit farther away from price at the time. And we reiterated, which we always do, whether the market's going up or down, the market never really loves to get too far away from home base. So generally speaking, you're going to see either price trade back toward home base or price trade sideways, giving home base a chance to come into price. Whether it's moving down or up toward price doesn't matter. The same concepts apply either direction. So the point here is you can see we're much more palatable in terms of how far away we are from home base. Something else that we should note, which is one of the reasons why we see the type of thing we saw into the end of the day today. For example, a crap out. Now, everything was fine until there was a piece of news floated, apparently, and they pinned it on Bernie Sanders. He's not going to vote for X if they don't do Y. I don't really know the details. I think it's a sad situation when they're negotiating, not on behalf of the American people, but negotiating with the American people, meaning essentially using the American people as pawns in the game. It's disgusting. Let's talk about volume for a second. Now, last night, I did not talk about volume, although I intended to. So let's circle back and let's discuss the last couple of days, what happened with volume and where we are today. So leading into the near term or recent bottom that we just had, we had really heavy volume. On this day, we had 347 million shares. On this day, we had 326 million shares. That's heavy volume. We've had heavier days, but that's heavy volume. It qualifies when you're factoring in the different things that you throw into the bucket to make the low. Then yesterday, we had a big up day. And the question is, does it have the ingredients for the reversal conversation? The that's definitely a low conversation. Did we have institutional participation off the bottom and the answer is not so much now i say that tongue-in-cheek you had participation across the board the question is did you have real conviction buying across the board and what i find is with the type of volume we had the jury's out i'm not 100 percent sure we did i'm not 100 percent sure we didn't now today is another case And by the way, before we get to today, let's circle back to yesterday for a moment. 
One of the reasons why I said what I said about the volume is the jury's still out is because it really wasn't surpassing previous days when the market was trying to find a low, trying to put in a low. Well, if it didn't have heavier volume on the days or against the days that the market was trying to put in a low, then how can I definitively say that was a low based on, or at least in part, heavy volume on the way back up? And I can't. So that's one thing. The next thing is, today had heavier volume than yesterday. So if the market finished on the highs today, I would have been prepared to say higher prices are likely. We're going to now target somewhere in between current price and maybe as high as the 20 period moving average where it is today. Now that's a moving target, but around that 269, maybe even 270 area. I was prepared to go that deep. Heavier volume than yesterday, finishing at the highs. That would have been the plan. Now, what's the plan from here? Well, we got to take a look at some other charts before we develop the plan. But the crap out into the end of the day leaves kind of an open-ended conversation. What's the conversation? A, they didn't get to my 257. Could I be wrong by a few cents? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's pretty good from about 140 S&P handles earlier to pinpoint where the resistance point would be at the market or better yet, where the exit would be for those long players riding the wave up to that price. We'll get to that in a moment. So here's what's up in the air. Are we seeing weakness because they sold off into the end of the day? Or is it the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew, and then they go back up tomorrow and do the number and then some? Well, in order to answer that question, let me show you or let me reiterate the importance of this area. We touched on it last night, but I really didn't harp on it, and I decided to go in a little more depth about why this area, this zone, the 257 area, is important. Here's the way I'm looking at it. So let's go to this day here, which is the 12th of March. That day was a pretty ugly gap down in the market, and the price that day opened up at 256. Okay, so that's something. Why is that something? Because for me, the opening price and the closing price are important. Why did the market open on a specific price? It had a choice of a multitude of prices in and around that area. It always does every single day. Why did it pick the price it picked? You'll never know the answer, but I like the fact that that's important, at least to me. I think the fact that the market picked the price is important, so I've been using that for a long time. Never told you that before. That's new information. You might want to jot that down. Not necessarily telling you exactly how I use it, but I'm telling you it's important. Now, what else about this area is important? Well, we talked about it last night. We had a couple of pivots up there. So here on the 16th, the high happens to be 256.90, right under 257. The next day, the high is 256.17. So I have three numbers on the board right now. And when I say three numbers on the board, I'm doing an analysis. You're seeing me, hearing me, listening to me do it in real time. This is exactly what I go through. So right now, I would have written down those three numbers on the page. And then what I see and everything is based on what I see. The market to me is very, very visual. I see the market on this day, on the 16th, it opened way down here and it rallied all the way back up to where? 
the 256.90 and then fell all the way back down. That has to be an important price area. So there's two. One is the opening price from a few days earlier. Now we have a run up to that price and an absolute failure without a shadow of a doubt. Then when I see the next day, we opened up lower. We ran up to that general area again. Didn't quite get to 257 or 256.90, but we got inside of 256. So I know that's important, but guess what? They closed nowhere near there and they never saw it again until when? Today. So I'm calling this a breakdown area. Why? Because the market gapped down to this area. This is where it opened. Had a one-day wonder, tried to recapture everything, and failed. And they tried to run up, and they failed a couple of times. That tells me, at least from my definition, right? It's my own personal definition. I don't care what anybody else is. It's just the way I look at things. And listen, you're inside my head. You bought a ticket on the ride, so you have to go with the way I look at things. You don't have to look at it the same way, but this is how I look at it, so I'm explaining it to you. So the way I look at it is, that's a breakdown area. There's many breakdown areas on the way down of this crash, but to me, that's the last big breakdown area, and they went back to test it today. Why? Because they love to go back and test former breakup or former breakdown candles and former breakout and former breakdown areas. This is just the way the market operates. Identifying it is the hard part. Now let's discuss what happened into the end of the day real quick. They sold the market off. Was it anything abnormal? Again, visually, does it change anything? I don't know. Depends on what chart you look at. What if I switch over and I look at the S&P E-mini futures contract? I don't want to look at the daily chart, but I want to look at an intraday chart based on what happened intraday. Was any damage done on the intraday chart? Here's a five-minute chart. Do we see any information we can use on the five-minute chart? No, the five-minute chart was a rodeo. This isn't really what I was looking at. Let me give you the secret behind the secret. Check this out. Here's the S&P E-mini 60-minute, and this is the continuous contract. It contains all the data. The overnight, the pre-market, it contains all the data from Sunday's open. So here you go. Here's the low from Sunday evening. The market's been grinding up in a channel ever since. Did anything abnormal happen at the end of the day? Other than the fact that they had a big down candle, no, nothing else is really abnormal. They didn't come through the 20-period moving average. They didn't break the trend. Nothing really happened. Doesn't mean they will or won't go up or down tomorrow. I'm just stating the facts as I see them on the charts. Looking at the charts, I'm providing analysis. This is part of my analysis. Also, just to make mention, we're in Kabuki Theater 2.0. I just want to make sure we're all continuously aware of that. Like we wait on the Fed, we're waiting on Congress to pass the rescue package. It's a little bit silly, and one more time, it's enough with the pissing contest. Now, you gotta see this. We're switching over to inside the numbers. And I gotta tell you, we had inside the numbers lock, stock, and barrel. Any trader could have made any amount of money they wanted today, any which way but Sunday. There was stocks on the move, there was commentary that from where I sit and from what's on the page was pretty spot on. 
So I want to go through some of the highlights. You can read at your leisure. There's a couple of things I want to point out, but they start really with the early thoughts. You can see early on we're focused on ES2500. That'll come into focus and come into play a little bit later. Here's the rest of the pre-market morning notes. We'll come back to stocks on the move a little bit later. Now, here's something that I want you to pay attention to. The early thoughts. They've been all over the place in the morning. It's a pretty good indication we'll see the market gobble up chunks of points back and forth. So we're already pre-prepared for wild volatility. Not anything new, but it's an awareness. Now, check this out. From the high this morning, and I'm going to go back to the chart and I'll show you exactly how the words match up with the chart. From the high this morning, the next hour put in a nice big breakdown candle. Okay, now they're trying to climb back up said breakup candle. Should be breakdown candle, that's a typo, but you got the point. Can't believe nobody called me out on this earlier today. Where are you guys? Where is the high of the candle? ES 2477.50. And then we have a secondary target if needed. Above that is the overnight high, 2498. Now, we talked about that also early on. That number was important the other day. It's important once again. They couldn't get through it overnight. When that happens, we want to be aware of that. The other side. Always be the umpire. We have to know both sides of the tape. The other side is the lows from the pre-market ES2387. I have to use ES early on. Then I generally can switch over to the SPY because of the span of points during the overnight. I need the information. We have no choice. Just to reiterate, markets like to test the highs of breakdown candles. Let's move it along. So the market's moving up. So along the way, traders are hopping on board. Not everybody hops on board at the same price. Some get in early. Some see what's going on. They get in. Some get in later. Some get in too late. But the ride was there to hop on. Talking about the ride before the opening bell even rang. Early thoughts was posted probably about 10 minutes before the opening bell. Now, I'm also preparing you for later, unlikely right away, but they will make a run for the big fat round number of ES2500. Trick and Company will likely show up first to shake out the latecomers, but that should provide a setup for us. Watching. Then watch what happens with the market when we go back to the chart. 942, it would be common and normal market behavior to play around with the high of the breakdown candle ES2477. 50. They spiked it a little and are finding out it was resistance as it normally should be. So A, we say that the market should run up to that price. B, we know that under normal garden variety market conditions, the highs of those breakdown candles are what? They're resistance. So some traders like to play short up there. That's up to the individual trader. I'm telling you what's going on. I'm telling you what the highest probability thing going forward is. And then it's up to you to pull the trigger. Moving right along. After they got finished testing the high of the breakdown candle, they came all the way back down. So you can see it became a gap and crap early on. Doesn't mean they can't recover. It's just a gap and crap at the time. 9.52, you can see so far the breakdown candle high did what it normally does. Rejects price on the first run up. How many times have we seen that? Over and over and over again. Does it happen every time? No. Does it happen the majority of the time? Yes. 
That's why we use the 80-20 rule. If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's a freaking duck moving right along. When they came back down, I'm providing the support. In other words, can they stay bullish? What can they stay above or what do they have to stay above in order to stay bullish and have it be trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew, normal garden variety shakeout? They really needed to stay above 239, give or take. So I'm providing the numbers all day long. And you can't do this in the pre-market because as the market moves, it's moving so much that these things are developing in real time. The market is fluid. Everything has to be in real time. It's amazing. In the same day, we're talking about 2,400 and 2,500 and fully expect them to be at both numbers. It's remarkable. Moving right along. Oh, I want to point something out, so scroll up a little bit. Look at the 1030 post. Read the last post and then look what happened right at the end of the hour. Remarkable. So the point I'm making here is closing hourly above. This is the middle of the 1021 post. Closing hourly above 242.50 and ES2421 is a start for more upside. Now that's posted about 10 minutes before the end of the hour. I want to look at a chart real quick. This is fascinating. Watch this. Here's the time in question. Here's the 1030 candle, the five-minute chart. So it's a five-minute candle, 1025 to 1030. The low of the candle is 240.77, and they closed at 242.33. Why is that important? Why do I find that fascinating? It was into the end of the hour. They jammed the market up, in my opinion, over and above an important price that kept the band playing on. I was able to use that information for inside the numbers members. At least from where I sat, as long as they were staying above that price, they were going to go to the next price. Where? 245. What did they do? They went to 245, moving right along. 1043. So they did the thing where they run a test of SPY 245. And just in case you're wondering, it doesn't work like this every single day. But today was an exceptional day. Scroll up a little bit, let you read it at your leisure. 11.05, you'll see above 2.45 and they run for 2.47.50. Just kind of preparing for that lull that happens at the end of the morning session in through lunch. I give that kind of schematic thing for the next hour or so while I'm taking a break for myself. By the way, getting above SPY 2.48 and the bulls can run. Talking about that at 11.05 in the morning. Moving right along. 12.15, they're doing the thing where they run a test of 247.50 or higher. You get the point already? And here you go. Getting above the high of day, 249.23, and closing hourly above there will or should create another short squeeze. To where? In a perfect world, to the numbers cited in last night's common sense market analysis video. Today... Who knows? It's a rodeo. This is early on. They're nowhere near there when I'm writing this. Of note, transports are up almost 5%. Canary. What do I mean by that? Canary in the coal mine. Were the transports telling us it was leading the market higher? Still back after lunch. I was really at lunch when all this was taking place. But of course, I'm still watching with one eye open, one eye closed, one eye on my sandwich, and one eye going for a walk around the block because we're all going a little stir-crazy being in the house all the time. Moving right along. 12.35. They're doing the thing. Now we go back to a big fat round number. I like big fat round numbers if you haven't figured that out by now. 
if they get over the next big fat round number, 2,500, it was just a couple of hours earlier we were talking about 2,400. And stay above, they'll slingshot higher to the numbers eventually. Now here's something to keep in mind. The target is 257. They won't make it easy and they'll look like they're done at least two times on the way. Was the first time the run-up come up short, sell them into the end of the day. Will they do it again tomorrow? Very possible. Scrolling up, and that's the end of the day. The market did basically everything that was prescribed today. So it's one of those days where you have to know when to fold them. And when I wrote that, I couldn't help but think of Kenny Rogers, so may he rest in peace. Now, let's go take a look at stocks on the move. Here's the list from today. We had seven stocks on the move on the board. Last day or so, we were out of the stocks on the move business because the market's gapping higher, doesn't bode well for stocks dropping into support. So there was nothing on the board that we could trade with early on in the morning. But we were back in business today, and you can see what happened. Out of the seven on the board, five hit their target prices. So what I want to do is just run through the charts real quick so you can see what happened. Remember... These begin going on the board about 7 o'clock in the morning. Pause the video, take note of the symbols and the numbers. We're going to go over to the chart. First one on the list was Facebook. Everything to the right of the vertical line is today's trading activity. Facebook opened, came into the price, went much higher, up above 62 or 162, off of a buy price at 155.40. Came all the way back down at the end of the day. Where did it stop short? Right about 155.40. Anybody think that price is important? I do. It was important this morning. It was important this afternoon. Where does he come up with these numbers? I know my numbers. Next one on the list was KTB. Stock getting a haircut. Opens lower. Comes into what? Comes into the 23.40 price. Making a low of 23.07. Then what happened? Went on a rocket ride minutes later at a high of 25.81. How you doing? Pretty good stuff. On the board, 7.30 a.m. Next one on the list, Barrick Gold, G-O-L-D. Everything to the right of the line is you know what. Today's activity, what does it do? Comes down into the prices, 18.75, 18.38. Never got to 18.38. What did it do? Went back up to 19, what was the high? 19, whoops, I didn't mean to move that line. 19.73, we don't need it anyway. That makes it 98 cents off the buy price. That's about 5% in my book. Next one on the list, PRGO. What happened? Right at the opening bell, stock comes right down into the number, bounces around for a while, and then what happens? The number was 43.53. What was high of day? 46.42. Quite the move. How do you like them apples? How about this one, EOG? By the way, I believe they had a failed bond offering last week. That's interesting in and of itself. That's a liquidity issue in the market. Why were they trying to issue bonds? Because they need money. What do they do? They're in the energy space. Why do they need money? Because the price of oil is down. They can't make money. They owe. They have to refinance debt. They need money. All these things haven't gone away. These things are just getting started. Doesn't mean the market can't trade higher. We have to have an awareness of what the underlying issues are. But the underlying issue here is making money on the stock. So what happened? The stock opens basically up from yesterday. We had a number on the board, 
72. What was the low of day? 36.70. What happened after that? It made a high of 41.57. Again, how do you like them apples? Who's kidding who? Why do you think I spent so much time inside the numbers today? A, I work hard at it to make these numbers happen. B, I want traders to be making money out there. I know how hard it is. I can help. Don't have to wear the schmuck shirt. If you're active in the markets during the day, this is something you can use. This is something you should have. After all, how many times do you have to see the same thing over and over and over again to say, hey, I'm tired of missing out. Short hop, back to the market. 240 minute chart. Is there anything wrong with this chart? Just looking at this chart, forget about the fact there was a market crash. I'm just talking about from the bottom, we made a high today, we pulled back, but we're essentially still inside of the previous candle, above the 20 period moving average. Is there anything technically wrong with the 240 chart? No, the market could still go higher. What did the hourly chart do? The hourly chart basically ran up to the 100 period moving average and was rejected. But it wasn't rejected in terms of a colossal failure. It was rejected in terms of price coming down. But it didn't come down to be a debacle. It just came down off the 100 period moving average. Now, if you look at the hourly chart and you find price even halfway between today's low and the 100 period moving average in the morning tomorrow, you would say, well, they're still running sideways, building energy, eating time off the clock to do what? To get through up and above the 100 period moving average. By the way, how else can they get through the 100 period moving average? They can gap above it which is what they do a lot of the time when they're having trouble getting through a specific price, whether it be resistance on the upside or support on the downside. They can gap over or above price. They do it all the time. Do we have any new information on the IWM? No, the chart looks basically the same as the SPY, same crap out. Could this be it? Could this be the total bounce and we go back to new lows? It could be. I don't think we're there yet. I'm not ready to say that yet. I don't think that there's enough of a rally to be had to suck in enough bulls to do that yet. Remember, the market's job is to trick, trap, and fool and frustrate as many traders and investors as possible as much of the time as possible. So I'm taking it for now as the shimmy down at the end of the day was just that. I don't believe they were done with the upside. Jury's still out. Inside the numbers, members will have whatever's happening tomorrow, lock, stock, and barrel, as we always do, as best I can provide it. But from where I sit here, basically just upon the close, this is what I see. This is basically what I'm conveying to you. Same crap out down at the transportation department. What did they do? They ran right into the 20-period moving average, filled a gap, I believe. The gap is 80, no, it's uh, 81.2609. What was the high today? 81.48. So they filled a gap, came into the 20 period moving average, crapped out. Now, that in and of itself is a little bit more than a bread box. So I will tell you that the activity in the transports today is a little bit different than the IWM and the SPY. They actually hit some interesting stuff, filled the gap, 20 period moving average on the daily chart, bounced off of it or bounced away from it, was rejected away from that price or that area. That's interesting. That's a puzzle piece that's on the table. As you can detect, 
I didn't necessarily see that earlier in the day, so you were witnessing me finding out in real time. This is live television. Can we learn anything from the folks in Silicon Valley? We can learn technology from them, but we can't learn anything about this particular chart. It's the same crap out. The chart looks slightly different, but there's no new information. Again, we're in that scenario where all the markets are the same. Everything trades the same. Intraday, day-to-day, not to the same magnitude, not exactly the same, but basically in the same direction and almost to the same magnitude. So all the charts act and react the same way, and here they are. They all look the same. XLF, same. SMH, not necessarily the same. More like the transports, but it's one of those tweeners. It's not quite the transports, but it's not quite the S&P and the IWM. 20-period moving average, yes. Gap fill, no. Interesting, nonetheless. I don't know if it's a puzzle piece. It's just interesting, nonetheless. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? And without you, these videos are not possible. That's all true and accurate information. I'm going to give it a wrap here, folks. It's everything I really wanted to and intended to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is Common Sense Market Analysis.